When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. To the highway in a brand new day. Gotta let it go. So Gonna stake our claim. So come on. Fast to freedom. Welcome to Open the Voice Gate, episode 36. I am Mike Spears. You can find us on the podcast app of your choice. We're on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, pretty much all of them. And when you do, please rate and review us. I'd greatly appreciate it. If you want to follow us on Twitter, please do so. The show's Twitter page is at open voice gate and my personal twitter page is at fuji Heya. that's fuji with two eyes like don fuji it's been a little while since i've sat down and recorded an episode and i apologize for that but we're, we have a lot that we're going to get into this episode it's december has really been a month of shakeup within dragon gate we have two corkins one on the fourth and one on the 18th and I watched both, and I'm going to give you my review of it and tell you what to check out and what you can skip over. And after that, I'm going to break down the remainder of the year in Dragon Gate. I'm talking about Final Gate and the Fan Appreciation Show. There's a little bit of OWE news as well, and I'll take a moment to look ahead to 2019 as there's some really cool stuff on the horizon for Dragon Gate and their 20th anniversary year. The first Corkin of this month was on December 4th. It was a sellout of 1858. And as I'm recording it a couple of weeks after the fact, I haven't watched the show since the day of. So I have my notebook with me to kind of refresh me. So this one might be a little bit of a abbreviated review. The show should be back up on Dragon Gate Network on January 4th. and. If you haven't seen it yet, when it comes back up, I think you should go out of your way to watch it. It had two extremely great matches and a, a couple of really strong ones. And of course, I mean, you have the huge Pac title change and then further down the card, the incredible UT versus uh, Shun Skywalker match, which I actually liked even more. So just taking a, talking about the show overall, it, you know, 
if I'm going to compare this to the Corkin that happened on the 18th, I think I think I like this one a bit more just because of yeah the doy darts throwing afterwards, and that's always a great time. And you know, having a title change in Corkin is a really big deal for Dragon Gate. Usually, if there is going to be a title change, it's going to be at one of the big five shows or at the uh, the Hakata shows right in the lead up to Kobe World. So the fact that there was a title change in Cork and I thought it was pretty neat. But yeah, all in all, this overall was a good show. It good verging on great. There were some matches that I'm kind of the low person on, but you know, that's more my tastes and how I'm kind of tired of certain things. And luckily those things will come to an end. So, but it, it's just, it just was a great show. And starting from the undercard, the match zero was Kness versus Problem Dragon. Kness won in 4 minutes and 26 seconds with the Hikari Noa. And this was pretty spirited for a match zero. It really was a match where uh, Problem Dragon took took a lot of it. And then suddenly uh, Kness won with Hikari Noa. I would have liked to see more of a Kness offense. But, you know, Kness is made glass these days. So I don't blame them. The... Technical opener of the show was an eight was an eight man tag. It's had Ryo Saito, Don Fuji, Gamma, and Super Shisha against Yamato, BB Hulk, Kagetora, and Dragon Dia. Or sorry, Dragon Dia. And Ryo Saito got the win on Dragon Dia in eight minutes and ten seconds with the Sai Ryo Rocket. I went three stars on this, and it was really nice to see Super Shisha there. He kind of was brought back for this match because Yosuke Samaria was injured and he's more back in the promotional fold nowadays because of him being more affiliated with the uh, with the company behind the scenes and I believe he's back training kids in the dojo so I'm, it's glad to see it I'm glad to see Super Cecil back and I hope we get he sticks around a little longer I know that he might be the oldest person on the roster it's it's either him or Mochizuki. It's probably Mochizuki, but he is getting up there in, in years. And there was a lot of really fun stuff early on this match with the older guys all deciding just to chew up Dragon Daya, and especially seeing that he is the baby of the promotion. I like seeing that. And it's kind of, in this match, more so than the match... That happened on the 18th. It felt like that Dragon Dio was a little bit more worried about his work, and he was—he seemed a little bit distracted, a little bit in the match. But he got more comfortable as it went along, and I'm starting to more and more see what everyone else sees in him. And it was just a fun, quick eight-minute, eight-man opener. I mean, it was only eight minutes long, and Siberia winning the rock rocket. And the one thing that I actually really came out of this mat, match from looking at my notes is that. I don't really like uh, Daya's mask. I think the design is fine, but I don't. This was a match. Now that I'm really looking at my notes, that he seemed uncomfortable wearing the mask. It seemed he was always adjusting it, pulling it down, and it turned out to be a problem throughout the match. And he seemed more comfortable about it at during the Doi Darts match. So maybe he uh, was able to fix it a little bit, or he just the more he wrestles in it, the more comfortable he is in it. So, uh. It was just one thing that kind of stuck out for me from this match. Match two was another 
eight-man tag. It had the Mochizuki Dojo team of Masaki Mochizuki, Hio Watanabe, Yuki Yoshioka, and Kota Minenora going against the uh, Maximum Plus Hiroshi Yamato team. The Maximum team members being Naruki Doi, Jason Lee, and Kaido Ishida. Yoshioka got the surprise win over Kaido Ishida in 12 minutes and 19 seconds with a flash pen. And I really liked how fiery everyone was in this match, especially the young guys. Young guys were incredibly into it, and the crowd is getting more and more behind Kaido Ishida. He works really well with Maximum, and especially as the younger member, it's something that he's really latched onto. And there was a lot of them in this match, actually. Most of it early on was Ishida pairing off against his generational counterparts and a little bit of Mochizuki. And, you know, it was really a whole lot of fun. And then it was actually kind of funny because Hiroshi, um, Hiroshi Yamato kind of so far has played not necessarily the straight man to everyone's kind of comedy because he's goofy himself and he he's this was the first match I really noticed him really getting down on the cross chop and doing a whole lot of cross chops. So Emochizuki did not care for his antics and all of that, and he just started to tee off against them. And, you know, it was 12 minutes, and it had a really great finishing stretch of Ishida and Yoshioka. And again, and again, the more I watch Yoshioka, the more I think he's the more solidly consistent guy out of this generation. He's not nearly as flashy as Shun. He, he doesn't always have, like, the... You know, the little attitude stuff that Hyo has, and you know, he's not as developed as Ishida or UT, but Yoshioka has really kind of slid himself into a solid wrestler. I don't, I, I don't really feel like I could forecast how any of these guys are going to end up, but he is the one that I wouldn't be surprised looking back when we approach the 30th anniversary of the Dragon System, and we see that he's put himself together a solid little career. That led to what was my match of the night, and I know it's kind of crazy to say this is the match of the night when there was a Dreamgate match and a Dreamgate title change, but this was the singles match between Shun Skywalker and UT. I went four and a quarter stars on this match. Uh, as you all probably know, it was a 20-minute time limit draw, echoing both the match with uh, Shimizu and Yamamura from last year, then the... Uh, King of Gate match in 2016 with Ada and Kiritazawa. So I really like that that's kind of become an th- ongoing thing with Dragon Gate over the last three years is that you'll have a younger guy going up against a more established person and they keep on trying and they keep on trying and fighting back, but they end up having a time limit draw. And I don't, I don't like this match as much as those other three, but I don't say that in a way to diminish how much I enjoy this match. And it this was a match where Shun really put it all together. He's someone that I've likened to Hayabusa, not like in overall skills, but kind of in a personality and in a way that you watch his match, his matches that you think, oh God, something can go terribly wrong. And it didn't really happen here. I, I think UT was able to calm him down, which really shows a lot to UT's favor. And I think Shun Skywalker, like moments that he would go way too fast and almost mess up a spot, he didn't hear. And there was a lot of really strong sequences here that I really liked. I liked how UT gained control early and really showed off his maestro, the Yave offense. And I think that, especially like working on the shoulder, I think that's great because of how lanky Shun is. And it's just an easy thing for someone who's 
probably now the smallest guy on the roster, either him or Hio in UT, has is, is made a lot of sense that he would just try to tie him up into knots and just work his lankiness. And the crowd started off a little bit cold to this match, which might be one of the reasons why I like the earlier draws a bit more. But they really got into it when Shun was getting into control. And one of the cool things that Shun did when he was in control was he added this slingshot sequence that's just mean with him doing like a rolling double shins attack, which, you know... I'm a sucker for a good rolling shins attack, a good double knees. I always loved Shima's Meteor, and I always think that one of the cooler moves you don't, that at least when I E-fed it, and I was like, why didn't this move ever really take off, was someone doing like a running, jumping Tony Jaw knees into the corner. I've always thought that that's particularly cool. So it was cool to see that something along the same lines there. And there was a talking, going back and talking about how UT was able to use Shun's linkiness against him. There was another really cool moment that I liked that there, there has been so much enmity between these two guys that Shun grabbed referee Mr. Nakazawa's hair to get UT, to throw UT off balance during an abdominal stretch. And I think that was a, a super smart way of doing it. And, and these two guys, you know, they have a whole lot of chemistry together and I'm going to be real excited to see if they're going to have a matchup somehow in the, uh, in the rookie competition. I don't know what they're calling that yet. I've kind of colloquially called it the Young Dragons League, but now it's a tournament, so maybe it's just the Young Dragon Tournament. I don't know. And the, the last two minutes were fantastic with with uh, with the ring announcer Kikuchi basically belting out the time, and it just really had them like develop a pace, develop a pace, develop a pace, and then it and eventually it ended up being a draw. And... I don't think this match really made either guy like how the Shimizu match made both of them or like how Ada kind of got back on track with his match against Tozawa. But it was a nice way to see that these two guys aren't just lost posts. I mean, the big problem with UT since he started getting injured while being a member of Millennials was you just couldn't really trust him to stay say healthy. So he ended up being a lost post because there's just no other good role for him. And then... Shkun Skywalker was really getting closer and closer to hurting himself in a match. So the fact that these two guys that really needed to step up and and you also know Shkun Skywalker had such a strong 2018, 2018 while UT was kind of re-cementing himself. So really incredible match. I think that it's a match really worth going out of your way to see. Match four was a six-person tag match. On one side, you had Mexa Blood and Dragon Kid going against the R.E.D. team of Binke, Ada, and Daga. And in this final gate preview match, Dragon Kid got the win on Ada with the Bible hold in 12 minutes and 12 seconds. And this was interesting in a way because it kind of felt like there were two separate matches going on here. I didn't go... I thought this was okay. I gave it two and three quarters. Uh, It felt like that there was all this Ada and DK stuff and then you had Binke, Daga, and Mexablood who were just kind of there doing their own match. And it really felt evident for Binke. This really felt like that this Corkin, they didn't have too much for him. So they kind of just plugged him in here because they needed someone with Daga and Ada, which I didn't really like. And especially after Gate of Destiny, it's just kind of a bummer to see him kind of slide back down here. And then, of course, he's getting a Twin Gate shot at Final Gate. So hopefully, you know, they'll perk things up for him. And. 
One of the things I got coming out of this match outside of the Ada and Dragon Kid thing was Ada and Daga have some really fun chemistry and it's taken a while, but I feel like that with this and with Pac winning the Dreamgate, I feel like that RED's in a much better place. It was something that I was really skeptical about when they lost Shingo Takagi just because it didn't really seem like that it was going to be a very strong heel team. And then after the end of Berserk and how bad Antios was, they really needed something to get things together. And I feel like that RED is getting back on the same page. And the really cool part about the Bible finish was that Ada was going for the Paros and he just kind of slid out. He just kind of slid out and got the Bible on it. And I thought that that was pretty neat. But as a negative of the match there, Daga seemed a little bit off here, and I've Daga's been a little bit hit or miss. I thought he was a lot better in the later Corkin. But this one wasn't really it wasn't supposed to be about him, so his stuff was kinda hidden, but it just was like he missed the lung blower and it looked really awkward. So there are just certain moments in this that I was not as much of a fan as I usually would be. But, you know, for as much as I have my misgivings about it, they've really built this Dragon Kid and Ada Puestus matchup to be what it needs to be. So, you know, this is another Dragon Kid and Ada match that served its purpose. The semi-main event of the December 4th Corrigan was another eight-man tag. I think with all the uh, with all the singles matches going on, that, that they had to find a way to get everyone on the card. So, let's have a, a whole bunch of eight-man tags. But... It was an eight-man tag match of the R.E.D. team of Big R. Shimizu, Takashi Yoshida, Yuzushi Kanda, and Kazuma Sakamoto against KZ, Susumi Yokosuka, Ginki Horiguchi, and Brother Yashi. This one only went eight minutes and 39 seconds, so pretty quick watch. A lot of these matches, other than the uh, Dreamgate and the, and the Draw, weren't that long of matches, I mean... Most matches were either 8 minutes or 12 matches, so this was a pretty easy watch. But it ended with Cosmo Sakamoto hitting a half-package PAL driver onto Ginky Horiguchi, and that led to the R.E.D. Challenge of the Triangle Gates titles at Final Gate. And overall, you know, this is a match that I differ from K-Slow on. I didn't think much of it. I went 2.5, and, and it just kind of was just there, and... It it felt like a little bit of a downer before the main event, but it had a really fun KZ and Yoshida segment, and, you know, it, they weren't going to waste time there. They got in and out, and it could have been kind of dreadful if it went on too long, just because, I have to be honest, this Yoshida, Kazma, and Kanda team that's challenging for the Triangle Gate is not a team that I'm very excited about, and especially because it seems like that this could be a time for them that... Uh, that the uh, that the dream that the not dream gate the triangle gate could change hands here so not super hyped about that but this was fine you know it was a eight man match where eight man match where most of them just got in for a little bit and then they went home the main event of the December fourth Corican of course was the open the dream gate championship match where Masato Yoshino failed in his fifth defense and. Pac became the 28th Open the Dreamgate champion in 20 minutes and 33 seconds after Pac hit the Black Arrow on Masato Yoshino. And I, you know, this was a, a strong match in Yoshino's reign, and it did a it did a great job of 
really putting Pac over as the guy right now in Dragon Gate. I mean, even during the start of it, where now there's a gif that's that someone's taken and it's floating around on the internet where Pac attacked Yoshino during God Save the Queen rules. It's just Pac gets it, and this is something that I know they've said on the flagship, and I know that have kind of, this has kind of been said about him as a heel since his WWE days, but Pac gets being a heel, and it's such a kind of refreshing change from the usual heels. I mean, he's not the out-and-out bully that Shingo Takagi is. He's not the scumbag that Ada is. He's just kind of an evil person. I mean, the bastard Pac Twitter handle fits perfectly for him, and him doing that during the anthem just ruled. I loved it, and they really worked this match with the idea that Pac before he left for WWE, was kind of tied to the hip with uh, with Yoshino. I mean, he went straight from World 1 to Junction 3 to World 1 International before he left with Yoshino. So it was really kind of cool that they wrestled this, that these two really know each other very well. And I appreciate that. And you don't see it a lot in Dreamgate matches. They kind of go into a certain formula and they go for it and it's one of those things that i've had i had issues with with the yamato title reign and i had issues with at least for some parts of this yoshino title reign that just was a very paint by the numbers title reign and ending the uh ending yoshino's reign with this was actually a really cool thing and i liked it and i watched this match on the fourth completely unspoiled which is something that i rarely do just because i live on the east coast in the united states and by the time I wake up, my Twitter feed already has a lot of the results from a match going on. So it, I, I did want to just because I, the more, the closer and closer we got to this match, the more and more I became positive that Pac was going to win. And it just really felt that way. And to be honest, as soon as they announced the Ada versus Dragon Kid Apuesta the match, I thought that Pac was going to win here because Pac doesn't do Final Gate shows. He's never really done Final Gate shows, and the fact that he's not on this one and they have an Apuesta match means it's okay not to have a Dreamgate title defense. So I came in this match expecting it, but there were moments that I legitimately thought that Pac was going to lose. I thought the fact that there was two Sol Nacientes were really, really had me buy into it, and especially on the second one, and I really bought it, and he was able to knee his way out of it, and I liked that sequence and I thought it was really kind of cool that we had a tease for the lightning spiral. We don't get one of those that often and the fact that he tried to trade it off the top rope I thought was really kind of neat and it's just something that I like the, the idea that these guys even though they've been apart for the better they, they've been away for about five years until he returned. It was though cool to see that they still had that level of familiarity so Yoshino felt like he had to go deep into his playbook to be able to defeat him. And the the lead-up to the finish, there was a really, really uh, hard flapjack that Pac won, that, that Pac hit on Yoshino that I thought was pretty devastating. And I was kind of t- took a st- step back. I was like, oh, dear, he got some air and just came down hard. But overall, this is... I appreciated that this was a 20-minute Dreamgate match in comparison to the epics that tend to happen. And I went four stars on this, not as high as other people did, but I thought that this was a strong match and a 
good way to kind of show the POC era of Dragon Gate. And overall, you know, as I said earlier, I think this is my favorite Corkin out of the two. I just, you know, the Shun Skywalker versus UT match had little things in, in it that even two and a half weeks later, I'm still thinking about it. And I just, it just kind of sticks with me, kind of like how much the uh, Big R Shimizu and Takahiro Yamamura match stuck with me. So I appreciate how the show went and of course afterwards there was the doi darts and i'm going to just just breeze through the match that was decided it the doi darts match was dragon kid kness benkei kasa sakamoto and kai versus bb hulk brother yashi yuki yoshioka naruki doi and dragon daya which you know that was a i i felt like that in comparison to years past that was a pretty good draw there was the girl that was way too old that was a lot older than they usually have for a dragon for doi darts who threw a bullseye and that's completely threw everyone off and then she hit right on the line on another throw i thought that was pretty funny there of course were like the little kids who were just you know they just don't have the motor skills for it but you know it's always great and i love that dragon gate does doi darts matches and i was a little i was a little concerned that there wouldn't be a doi darts this year because of having a championship match on the early cork and so it was it, it it was good to see that this happened and of course the way that they set up the show with a bunch of short matches and then two matches that were 12 minutes long and then the the two big singles matches both going over 20 minutes gave them enough time for doing it so when the show comes back up on january 4th i definitely recommend it i don't know if it's my favorite cork of the year I believe it's Case Lowe's favorite cork in a year, but I do really think you should go out of your way to check this one out. Dragon Gate's go home show for Final Gate was on December 18th at Corkin Hall. It's their second show in Corkin for December. They usually, this usually is the month that they have two Corkins on. Most is just once a month, but because it was either the second Corkin of the month or people just weren't as interested in card attendance was down in comparison to the show on December 4th. Attendance was listed at 1564 and to my knowledge that might be the lowest attendance since the split but I think it has to be viewed with the caveat that they ran two Corkins in two weeks and this is not a promotion that really runs much in Tokyo or has much focus in Tokyo. Overall I really enjoyed the show, looking at my notes. I had four of the six matches and the three and a half star or higher range. It just was a very easy watch. There was a whole lot of everything on it, and it did a really good job building up the main storylines to Final Gate. And I think that's something that Dragon Gate has done a much better job of since uh, since after Kobe World. They've done a... Uh, good job of building up the uh, triangle gate match they did do a good job of building up the twin gate match but of course as we'll get into it on the show there that match got changed for final gate and then of course this it as much as i might be tired of dragon kid and ada they've been building this feud up since ada turned heel so all in all this is a show that's worth going out of your way of seeing it of course, aired on the 18th. That means it will stay on Dragon Gate Network until the 25th. So if you're 
at home or with family and bored over your holiday, then it's worth checking out. I, it only ends up being about two hours and 45 minutes if you skip over all the intermissions and you cut out after that into match promos. But let's get into the show. The opener was an eight-man tag of Kagatora, Sachi Hoko Boy, Kota Minanura, and Hiroshi Yamato taking on Ryo Saito, Don Fuji, Gamma, and Problem Dragon Monday Ryu. It seems like that second team kind of is the permanent match one or opener team as of late, and that's fine. Uh, Kota Minanura got the surprise win with the Bevel Gear Flashpin Cradle over Problem Dragon in 8 minutes and 19 seconds, and this was my least favorite match on the show, but given who it is, who all were in this match, it's not too surprising. I mean... Gamma doesn't bump unless he needs to. Sachi Hoko Boy is off of most Dragon Gate cards. Problem Dragon, he's never going to really become a big player. And then with his neck issues, they're not going to risk it. And then really the two or the four that stuck out as people who probably got the draw of, well, it's not your time this show, were Kakatora, Kota Minanura, and Saito and Fuji. But... It was eight minutes. It kind of was just there. The crowd was pretty dead. Uh, the, the match had a lot of Kota Minanora, and he's come along pretty well. I mean, he's solid, and he looks good taking everyone's offense, and he got the uh, flash one over uh, Problem Dragon, so he's starting to build up steam leading into the rookie tournament in January. The second match was the uh, traditional cork and singles match between Jason Lee and Ada. Jason Lee won by disqualification because Ada lost it on the referee at 9 minutes and 56 seconds. I went, I went two and a half stars on that, and really what I liked about it, this match is that there's not much to this match. I gave it two and a half stars. It was, it was a match that served its purpose. Its purpose was basically continuing to build up Ada and Dragon Kid. Jason Lee actually had a really hot start where he attacked Ada during the introductions, but he... Within about 30 seconds, he started doing uh, wrestles, which was kind of disappointing. If that match was kind of just those two going after it for 10 minutes, I probably would have liked this a whole lot more. And, I mean, there was constant RED interference, and Ada kept on trying. Ada had a problem with the referee the whole entire time, and eventually just broke down. Ada attacked the referee and then started to go after Dragon Kid. And, you know... They've done a good job building up this Apuesta, even though this is a feud that's gone on far too long. The third match, and, it's, and a match that I thought was really special, is the three-way tag match of Masato Yoshino and Kaido Ishida versus Misaki Mochizuki and Hio Watanabe versus Yamato and UT. And Hio got moved into this match because Shun Skywalker had a concussion over the weekend, and... He got moved up from what I believe was he was I think he was in the opener instead of Sachi Hoko Boy, so that's why he ended up there. And this was a really really awesome match. It was uh, Ishida getting the pin on Hiwa Nabe in 11 minutes and 48 seconds with a Tiger Suplex hold. And again, really awesome match. I won a flat four stars on it. And this was the first match on the show that the crowd woke up. The crowd was just not having the first two matches, but they were getting into it. And especially, there was a moment in the match that, of course, the 
the the three youngsters were going at it in the lead up to the rookie league but with the way this match was formatted that you had the unit leader and then a the the young person and their unit going up against each other the uh, the unit leader decided partway through to say oh yeah okay y'all are going at it we're gonna go at it too and i i really liked it a whole lot and it's the other cool aspect about it was that usually with these younger guys they're stuck around match zero through match three but you don't usually see yoshino in this this situation and you don't see yamato in the situation so it was cool to see those two have more interaction with the younger wrestlers and it had a great finishing stretch it really as much as the you had these big names in this match you had the rookies that were really trying to make a name for themselves and i thought that was really smart for for the the promotions you focus at least the undercard of the show on the rookies especially leading up to the rookie league that's going to start on the first shows of january the last match before intermission was the international special tag match with Mexablood of Flamita and Bandito going against Pac and Daga. Flamita got the win over Daga, which is kind of interesting. Uh, he got the pen in 17 minutes and 36 seconds with the flame fly. With the recent news that this is going to be Bandito's last tour of Dragon Gate because he signed a Ring of Honor contract, and the fact that that's now pretty well circulated i don't know if it's reached japan but it's well known at least among western audiences i thought it was pretty clear that this would have been a good time for Pac or daga just to pick up a fall on bandito as he's on his way out but no they had flamita pen daga and this had a really fun opening section with um and it was like the the first like three or four minutes what were the very was the variant of the uh typical match where a where you know your opponent too well you flip out of like arm drags and head scissors and no one's able to get advantage but they kept this up for instead of doing like the first exchange they kept this up for the first three and four minutes and that kind of was the story of this match they went for a lot it was a pretty inventive match not not everything landed but the stuff that did looked really impressive and the things that missed weren't missed by a whole lot so you could give them i guess points for creativity if not for the execution that there was a moment in this match that was really something special to me and really cemented how much i'm going to miss bandito he managed to catch Pac and daga in a way that was just miraculous he literally caught them on a dive and i thought that was really incredible and kind of shows you what kind of wrestler, do- uh, sorry, Bandito has been in Dragon Gate this year? I mean, he is the breakout star of the wrestling world in 2018, and he showed it. And it, it, we're getting to a point now that the first tour for Daga is winding down, and it looks like he's going to be back. I haven't heard anything from people within the company or on the outside saying that he has other tours coming up, but it just seems like that he's going to have more tours after this. He's in the opening. They've updated the opening, of course, after Pac won the Dreamgate title. The crowd's starting to get Daga. It's one of those things that he doesn't wrestle the uh, the normal luchador style, and he doesn't wrestle the straight Dragon Gate style, to be honest. He kind of he, he has a little bit more of a Yave, and he, had, he focuses more on power moves and 
you know, it was mentioned that like one of his favorite wrestlers was Davy Richards, and you can see that. But the crowd got to got to understand him, and they were reacting to stuff. And he had some really impressive stuff. This might be one of my favorite showings of his, and it's also the another reason why I like this match a whole lot was that I think Pac and Flamita know that the match they had at Gate Destiny stank, and sure that might have been the purpose of the match and sure that might be because of that's how Pac works now as a heel but they really picked up the pace and their exchanges with each other were very good and a lot like the exchanges they had with each other in the Corkin earlier this month and it just really I keep on going back to this but this was a match that they went for it and that they weren't going to just sit back and just go through like a what you'd expect a stereotypical Mexa-Blood match to be and what you think Pox matches could be in Drangate now. So I thought that was all really interesting and I enjoyed that a whole lot. The semi-main event of the show was a six-man tag between the Triangle Gate champion team of KZ, Susumu Yokosuka, and Ginky Horiguchi taking on two-thirds of their challenger team at Final Gate and Big R Shimizu, Yazushi Kanda, and Takashi Yoshida. Ginki Horiguchi got the uh, backslide from heaven on Yoshida in 16 minutes and 36 seconds. And, you know, f- for a match uh, with people like Kanda in it, I like this a uh, good deal. Uh, three and a half stars. I forgot if I gave my star rating on the last tag match. That was four. So two four-star matches on the show. And it... This match was really interesting to me because they got a whole lot out of Kanda, and they told an, a really good story in this match that I could see playing out at Final Gate, where basically Natural Vibes was just getting knocked around every which way throughout the match. Of course, they were outsized, but it was even cases that Susumu was getting knocked around, and he played a babyface in peril for a long section of this match, and... Really, Natural Vibes was only able to get the win here because they had a, a good finishing stretch and Ginky Horiguchi was able to summon the heavens and get the backslide. So it was a really smartly worked match. It was interesting early on, Yoshida was bumping around a lot more than he usually does and a lot more you'd expect him to, which was, uh, it, it made the champion team look really strong. The pace on this match for a... Uh, heel versus face match where there was crowd brawling it had a pretty good pace and again i thought it was interesting that for a good three or four minute stretch it was red being down on uh, on susumi yokosuka instead of kz that's usually been kz's role in these matches but kz is still incredibly over there was a time after the formation of natural vibes i was concerned that that they uh, pretty much cooled him off at the wrong time but he's still you know one of the five most popular people in promotion i put him after doyoshi yamato and then after that kz or dragon kid i mean they're probably your your conversation for the fourth strongest and uh it was uh again had a really fun final finishing stretch did a good job of building up the fact that natural vibes are the most dominant triangle gate team in company history this is will this will be their seventh defense coming up and no other team got past five i believe just off the top of my head i'm not going to look it up but it, it's been confirmed that they are the most dominant triangle gate team and they were and they're able to pull stuff out of their bag of tricks to go against 
a team of people that were probably close to twice their weight combined. But yeah, but yeah, uh, this is just another strong match on the show. I mean, really, after the Dragon Kid and Natum, uh, the Dragon Kid and Jason Lee match, pardon me, everything in this match was great. Everything in the match was three and a half stars or better, and even that Jason Lee uh, Ada match, everything made sense in it, and it was telling the story there. But good, a good six man tag, probably one of the better matches that Yujishi Kanda has had over the, over his last year. So yeah, it, it's a real solid match. But the main event, the main event of the Cork, and of course was the Doi Darts 2018 Special Ten Man Tag Match. Where on one side you had Dragon Kid, Kaness, Benkei, Kazuma Sakamoto, and Kai. And on the other side you had Yuki Yoshioka, BB Hulk, Brother Yashi, Naruki Doi, and Dragon Daya. And this went 22 minutes and 13 seconds with a really surprising result. If you if you see this match written down on paper anywhere, you see the 10 people and you follow the promotion, you're going to say, Oh, Dragon Daya is going to take the fall. I mean, he's the youngest person on the roster, or at least the most recently debuted one. Still don't know his ages. And uh, everyone on the other side, other team, I mean, you have Dragon Kid, who's heading into a huge match. It would be a good story to tell that Dragon Daya gets pinned by his uh, mentor, Kness, who's his mentor's historical biggest rival. Kness could get the pen over his, uh, his historical rival's protege. Benkei. Benkei can get the pin on Dragon Daya. I mean, Benkei is the leader of his generation. Cosmo uh, Sakamoto and Kai. I mean, a little, that, that's a little off the beaten path, but Cosmo Sakamoto has a Triangle Gate match coming up. You can make the argument for it. But no, the result of this match in 22 minutes and 13 seconds was Kai pinning BB Hulk with his Medio Impact. Which, you know, I knew the results leading up to this. I watched the show today versus live, so I probably would have been stunned, and I know that talking to Case Low, Case was a little surprised and perplexed by this as well. But this was a, getting to the match itself, this was a strong uh, Doi Darts match. It's not going to be ranked amongst the best ones. I, I'd i say three and three quarters. The uh, story being told really throughout the entire match was... Dragon Daya just getting beat up by everyone on the other team. I mean, Binkei socked it to him. Kazma socked it to him. Kai worked him over. Kness, of course, had some moments. And uh, Dragon Kid got, got his licks in too. But he was pretty over, you know? I feel like this is Dragon Daya's most impressive performance of his career so far. I felt like that he, for someone who has under 10 matches under his belt, he didn't disappoint i wouldn't call this the standout performance like uh like el lindemann's standout performance in 2015 where he was putting the mass the match and got the win i wouldn't call it like that but he uh, definitely is someone that i was not as high as other people but i see it now i see why they made him a dragon kids protege it makes sense but the rest getting to like particulars in the match uh, there was a really funny moment in it where uh, both uh, Kazma and, uh, pardon me, no, both Yashi and Naruki Doi were trying to coach Yuki Yoshioka into doing teamwork, and the crowd just ate this up. They started to enjoy, 
a Doi Chan chant. It was hilarious. Doi was so pleased when Yashi and Yoshioka hit a double drop kick onto someone. I thought that was a scream. That probably was one of the more lighthearted moments. This was a Doi Darts match with as with as less comedy in it than usually for these kind of matches. I remember the match that had uh, Mr. Nakagawa get involved because he had long hair at the time and everyone was doing go to hospital twos and he gave a go to hospital two. But it wasn't as comical. Uh, I thought that Yuki Yoshioka looked strong here too. I mean, he, it, out of everyone in the rookie tournament, he probably has a claim of being the most consistent rookie wrestler on the roster. And, you know, he looks strong. He, he has a heck of a chop. There, he he really lit up people in this match when given the opportunity. And uh, the uh, another uh, real good moment in this match was both uh, Dragon Kid and Kness did the Cristo, and Kness did the uh, Cristo variant Judah, which was really neat. If you're someone who didn't really watch Torimon and only are familiar with Kness as kind of the beaten-down, gray-haired wrestler... The interesting thing about Kness is that he always, for his big rivals, he always had a big uh, counter to their big submission holds. The big thing was that during the Kness and Darkness, or during the uh, Dragon Kid and Darkness Dragon feud, enable he kept on like getting locked in the Cristo, so he developed a variant where he would lock down and make it almost into a hip lock and called it the Judah. And against uh, and against Masato Yoshino. He would counter the Sol Naciente and the Sol, Sol Noches L. So it was neat to kind of see that. It had a real fun like stretch against Binkei in the, the last few minutes of the match where everyone just kind of piled off against them. And even Naruki Doi and, and BB Hulk did some teamwork, which is something really neat to see. They haven't been in a stable together since Blood Warriors. And even then, the, those two were not really teaming up with each other much in Blood Warriors, of course. Doi had his Triangle Gate partners, and BB Hulk was teaming with Akira Tozawa then. So really had a lot of teamwork that was reminiscent of their World 1 days. And that was cool. Um, the finishing stretch with Kai was okay. I mean, I don't like Kai. I've never liked Kai. I feel like he sticks out like a sore thumb, and I don't think that's an uncommon belief to be had amongst Dragon Gate fans. But he had a stretch with... Uh, bb hulk and it's worth noting that bb hulk got hurt pretty bad during this match sometime they were able to have a conclusive finish i don't know if there was a another finish in mind other than akai winning but like that's another thing going into looking at this match i think maybe bb hulk felt something in his neck and decided okay we got to get out of this now and since he was already in the ring kai took care of him but uh kai after he hit the medio impact he jumped up on the turnbuckle trying to celebrate this, but he immediately fell down and looked like a total nerd, and I loved it so much. But uh, getting back to BB Hulk, it's uh, kind of tough to watch. Like the final stretch, I was trying to figure out where he got hurt. I couldn't tell if it was on the Lariat or on the Meteo Impact itself. And they very stripped him of the Twin Gate title, and of course he's not going to be at Final Gate. And we pretty much have to kind of expect that this might be it for him as a frontline player but that's sad to say and you know watching the show live it you probably weren't immediately going oh bb hulk is incredibly hurt you you probably were like okay that was a really fun match 
but you know that kind of took it out of me or took it out of it for me you know it's just kind of weird and of course it's really sad about how hulk's body has just really fallen apart on him since his Dreamgate reign really if i was going to put a point on where i felt like that everything went wrong for him it was during the uh, incredible final gate match he had against uh, shingo takagi where he broke his collarbone in the middle of it and finished the match and didn't really take much time off i mean he maybe took six four to six weeks off when he really probably needs surgery and that was really it for him as a as a healthy wrestler i mean he's been amazing he was amazing in the yamaha team i mean yamaha might be one of my favorite tag teams in the world in 2018 but you know he is a bit older than most of the other people of his generation he's going to turn 39 next year and he didn't enter the dojo straight away he was a japanese self-defense force ranger when he got out of high school so i mean he was always someone who was going to have a shorter clock in wrestling than everyone else and i'm kind of i don't know if it's retirement for him but i do think this is it for him as a main event player i think he will be when when and if he comes back he'll be cycled down the cards he might be a third in a triangle gate team but he really should be someone that's you know in match zeros and match ones just because he's kind of like a nest now he just constantly gets injured getting into some of the happenings from cork and uh, i'm just going to read this straight from iheartdg uh, of course uh, all credit goes to jay at iheartdg for this translation after intermission, ring announcer Kikuchi made the big announcement that GM Yagi teased last show. 19, or 2019, there's a typo, marks the 20th anniversary of the company, including the years as Torimon Japan. To celebrate this milestone, Cork and Call will place host to a series of commemoration matches throughout the year. He announced the first of them. As volume one of the 20th anniversary commemoration series and to celebrate Masaki Mochizuki's 25th anniversary in wrestling on january 16th misaki mochizuki will face russell once shuji kondo and this is one a dream match of mine i mean this is a match that they really haven't had much interaction since igon iso was left dragon gate and you know shuji kondo has never been very pleasant about his time in dragon gate he's someone that I remember that there was this video of people trying to get into the Russell One school, and they were asking, okay, after Russell One, where would you want to go to? And someone said Dragon Gate, and Suji Kondo just had like the biggest grimace on his face as he heard this. So, this is going to be really cool. I think that this is a smart thing, not only to celebrate the 20th anniversary, but also as a way to really kind of bolster Cork and especially given how this year went to have a bunch of uh, special matches going on each show really opens the opportunity really opens the show up to a lot of opportunities and if they're bringing shuji kondo back you're you have to wonder who will who they might try to get there's already been talk that there's going to be some dragon gate guys on a show being put on by toru awashi and then a show put on by shugi of all people so it's interesting that the thing that I've kind of been told is that since the uh, split and the formation of Dragon Gate Entertainment, they've completely wiped the deck clean. There are some people that I don't expect that we'll see here during this series. Sue has 
had really bad health problems since he retired a second time. I don't think we will see a Milano Collection AT. Of course, he might come out and wave, but he's not going to be in a match. He's done. I really, I don't want to see Magnum wrestle, but I think it would be really neat to have Magnum come out and maybe do the natural vibes dance or natural vibes to Tokyo Go with him. I think that would be really cool. The only person that's been said that won't be there probably is Taru, and that's because Taru is Taru, and he's just not a pleasant person. He's not a good person. And, you know, even during, like, Sua's first retirement show, I don't remember seeing Taru at it. So it'll be interesting. There's a lot of matches that that come to mind. I think that there is a potential to see some OWE and Stronghearts there. I would absolutely love to see... For example, T-Hawk and L. Lindemann versus uh, Doyoshi. I think that would be really a whole lot of fun. I think it'd be cool to have there. I think it'd be cool to have Ishida and Yamamura reunite or have a match. But it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be cool. We might see Shingo. To my knowledge, he is still not under a New Japan contract, but he might not want to do anything like that to risk any other things happening to him in the promotion or any troubles with New Japan. But that's going to be a really cool thing. I really dig that, and I'm glad that they're going to do that for their 20th anniversary. I've heard of another thing that might be happening on the 20th anniversary, especially around Kobe World, but I don't think it's going to happen now. But they, I'm glad to see that, that they're planning for the 20th anniversary and they're going to do something really cool. I hope that they do maybe do one or two of these matches in other parts around the country. I mean, I it, it it's easy to assume that Kobe World will have something big for the 20th anniversary, but how about doing something really cool for Hokkaido? How about doing something really neat for Osaka? I think that that would be really cool, and that was kind of an, a neat thing coming out of the show, knowing that now we have that to look forward to. And just wrapping up my review of the 2018 Corican, it... I think I liked the Corkin from the fourth a little bit more just because it had some higher level wrestling. I mean, I I just felt like that there was some stuff there that was just a little bit better on it. But the show, top to bottom, I mean, if you have about two and a half hours, two hours and 45 minutes, give the show a watch. It was something really special. And I think that if you're someone who's looking for something to do while you're staying up for Final Gate, why not put the show on? It'll still be on the network on the 23rd so check it out and it was just fun it's good that they had a month of two really strong two really strong um uh corkin shows even though the attendance was down for the second one but it was good show especially especially check out that three-way tag match and the international tag match wrapping up this episode i'm going to take a look at the card coming up for final gate it is on December 23rd from Fukuoka, and because of the Hulk injury, they've had to shuffle things around. Originally, there was going to be a Twin Gate match between Big Ben and Yama Hulk, and that's obviously not happening. And instead, they vacated the Twin Gate titles, and now they've combined the other tag match on the show. So it's now, at least as of today, a six match card i'm just gonna read over the card first and then i'll give my thoughts on the matches the opening match 
is an eight-person tag with Super Shisa, UT, Brother Yashi, and Problem Dragon, Mondai Ryu, versus Jason Lee, Kaido Ishida, Sachi Hokoboy, and Dragon Daya. The second match is another eight-man tag. It has the all the young guys from Mochizuki Dojo, and that Shun Skywalker, Hio Watanabe, Yuki Yoshioka, and Koto Minenura versus the All-Vets team of Ryo Saito, Don Fuji, Gamma, and Kness. The third match, and one of the only two singles matches on the show because of no Dreamgate and no Bravegate matches on the show, but they add in a kind of a nice little match with uh, Misaki Mochizuki going one-on-one with Dago. And then we have the Triangle Gate Championship match that I was talking about earlier on the show. The champion team, KZ, Susumi Yokosuka, and Ginki Horikuchi. Natural Vibes goes up against the RED team of Takashi Yoshida, Yazushi Kanda, Kazuma Sakamoto. The uh, semi-main event is the 44th Open the Twin Gate Champion Team 4-Way Decision Match with Yamato and Kakatora versus Big R Shimizu and... K, so Big Ben versus Naruki Doi and, and Masato Yoshino, so we got Speed Muscle in there, and then Flamita and Bandito of Mexa Blood, and that leaves the main event, which has been building now for about eighteen months, is the the Puesas match, Mascara contra Caballera, Dragon Kid versus Ada, and uh, just starting from the bomb the show up, you know the first match more so than usual kind of feels like the get everyone on the show eight-man tag you do have uh, Ishida and Daida and Daya getting you know some ring time before the big uh, rookie termination league and you know it's actually you tease in that match too so you have so you have three of the seven people in that match and then you have the other four on the same team in the second match so that's kind of interesting and I think that Whoever really kind of gets a win there can build up momentum going into the uh, Rookie Determination League. Uh, I think that the second match, the uh, Mochizuki Dojo versus the uh, old guys, really is going to come down to how much uh, of the Bicycle Brothers we have in the match versus how much of Gamma or Kness we see. I, 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 like, I really love Mochizuki Dojo. They actually might be my favorite unit right now in Dragon Gate. So I'm glad that all four of them are getting in on the same match. And, you know, um, we'll see how it goes. I I wonder if Gamma's going to take more than three bumps. And, you know, they've been kind of uh, careful about Kness since he's come back recently. I am really excited, however, about Masaki Mochizuki versus Daga. That's a match that really, I think, for Daga, he's been a hit or miss this tour if he can have a real strong match against Masaki Mochizuki. I feel like that would I I think be a good way for him to end this tour on for for all the Gaijin with the, for the exception of Pac, this is the last show of their tour. They won't be at the year-end show on the 26th. So this will be it for Daga and Mexablood and, and you know this is Daga's uh, chance to leave this tour on a high note. The uh, Trial Gate match I listen. The R E D team is not 
this not the strong red team that i would pick to win the triangle gate but seeing that you already have big ben occupied seeing as you have ada occupied and seeing that they're not going to have pock in this match even if he was here this is really what you're left with i mean they're not going to put daga in this match so i really think that yoshida is the strong point of his team i think that kazuma sakamoto has been fine i kind of get his sense of humor now that we're seeing in dragon gate and it's different it works somewhat sometimes it really doesn't but for going up against the Natural Vibes team that now holds the record for the most Triangle Gate defenses, and they are kind of barreling to the length record as well, you kind of get to a point where you ask yourself, is this going to be the team that beats them? Is this going to be the team that beats them? A lot, a whole lot like CK won last year, you know, where it was just like, okay, this is going, and I felt like nearly... Every every defense, I was like, oh no, they're going to lose, they're going to lose. And then I was proved wrong. So, I if I was going to make a prediction right now, I just have a feeling that R.E.D. is going to win. And I'm not really stoked about it. Konda is someone that really has dropped off a cliff since he turned heel and joined Berserk. And... I don't really like the idea of the Triangle Great Gate going on a part-timer like Sakamoto, but I feel like that with the what most likely is going to happen in the main event, you need to have your heel team get at least one win and maybe two. So it, it's it's interesting. I they like to Dragon Gate likes to end the year always on a high note. There's only been one final gate where there was a heel big heel win and that was in 2009 with deep drunkers starting to drink on top of the cage because they did a uh, they, they did one of their uh, cage apuestas matches so i'm now talking i'm now thinking my to myself if it should be natural vibes but this is probably the match on the card i'm least looking forward to to be honest so i'm not gonna put any more thought towards it up uh, the twin gate decision match is set up because of bb hulk's injury who knows when he'll be back and what capacity he'll be back in. And good for Kagatora. I mean, with Maria out with an ankle injury and now with Hulk, he's kind of the number two guy and and try Vanguard now, which is kind of bad to say. It's just uh I it's just as soon as Tri Vanguard look to be getting themselves back on the back on a good page and finally like feel like a really strong unit you just have two pretty bad injuries and you know i don't i've not heard when flamita is coming back bandito of course this is bandito's last match in dragon gate he's going to ring of honor starting next year and ring of honor has a relationship with new japan and that's it so i kind of wish that they just plugged Kagatora in and kept the two matches separate. I think Yamato and Kagatora versus Big R Shimizu and Binke is a decent enough a match knowing that you would still have the Doi Yoshi versus Mexablood match. But I also see that they didn't that they wanted to make this a little bit of a match with some bigger punch to it. And 
I think that I, I was prepared that I thought Big Ben was going to win the, the titles to end the year. But if they were going to win the titles, I don't think that they would have added the other two teams in. And with the state of maximum and with... Uh, <clears throat> but with uh, the fact that the only title that they have is the Brave Gate... I could see it happen. I could see Naruki Toy and, and Masato Yoshino winning the Twin Gate, and it's been so long since they held it, so that could be a nice little moment. And you know, they could also have uh, Yamato and Kagatora win. And you know, Kagatora was a part of one of the best tag teams in Dragon Gate in the last decade with uh, with Yokoso with Yokosuka Ichome, the original Jimmy's team, and then. Yamato's been in a lot of great Twin Gate teams now. I mean, we now have the, or we had the Yamahulk team. Yamato and Cyber Cotton were a great team, and of course Doi, and of course Doyama. I mean, that was still to this day my favorite Twin Gate team in Dragon Gate history. So it's interesting. I just kind of have a, I have a feeling that it's going to be Naruki Doi Masato Yoshino in this just because if if Big Ben was going to win then they would have uh, kept the matches separate in my mind but I really hope that this is going to be a good long match especially considering now that this is only a six match card and this is your second and last title match so I would hope to have at least one strong title match on the show seeing how low I am on the R.E.D. scrub team. So, a lot of hope on it. I don't know whether or not this is an elimination match. I'm going to assume it is, just because of how short the card is at this point. So, I could see them really come out here and getting after it. And hopefully we get a really awesome last match out of Bandito. He, no matter how you look at it, I feel like Bandito is the breakout star this year. And losing him... It's going to be a loss. I'm pretty certain that next time Flamita's back, he'll bring someone with him. I don't know exactly whom. He, I mean, he's the, these two have kind of been connected at the hip since Bandito came over. So it's going to be interesting. And again, this is this will be Flamita's last match for this tour. I don't know if he'll be back. What time he'll be back in 2019? I'm willing to guess though that he'll be back by. March. Uh, it just kind of seems like March will be the time that he will come back. And of course, that leaves us with the main event, Mascara Contra Caballera, Dragon Kid and Nata. And uh, let's just... I'm just going to break down the, the arguments for both guys winning the match. First off, let's talk about Dragon Kid. Why Dragon Kid will win the match. Dragon Gate likes ending the year on a high note. They like having a feel-good moment to send everyone home because it's basically it for them until mid-January. Dragon Kid has the most valuable mask or hair in the company's history. I mean, whenever Dragon Kid's mask has been at stake, and it has been at stake various times throughout the Dragon System history, it's always been treated as a huge deal. And it still is. So, is Ada the guy you really want Dragon Kid to lose his mask to? Because this isn't going to be a Kness situation where Kness was still a young guy and they had the gimmicks and they went from Darkness Dragon to like two weeks or rather like just like a really short period of time. I don't remember exactly 
of him wrestling unmasked as a team of Dragon Kid to Kness, and it's not like Cyber Kong where it doesn't really matter that Cyber Kong lost his mask and is going by his real name now. So it I think you you've got that. You've got the fact that Maximum now is looking at being one of the weaker units and uh, Dragon Gate just looking at titles. You have R.E.D. has the Dreamgate title. Natural Vibes going on to this show has the Triangle Gate. And then the and then Tri Vanguard just had to vacate the Twain Gate. So having that kind of win kind of puts a, a maximum back on good footing going forward. So I could see that happening on that. And it's, there's never really been a big moment for that that it felt like that Ada has lived up to. He's had good matches, but most of those great matches have happened either in tournaments or has been third or oh, semi-main or third. Like he's he's not had the kind of like great main event performance that we've seen out of Big R Shimizu, that we've seen out of Ben K, that we've seen out of KZ, and that we saw out of T Hawk. So it's just does not make if i'm looking at on reasons why dragon kid will win i feel like that those are some really solid reasons now reasons why ada will win and there's not as many uh the first one is that they have to get do something to get ada over the hump they're in a situation now with hulk on the shelf with uh shingo being gone with Shima doing OWE, that there is a kind of a, a, there's kind of a plateau, I think is the best way of putting it, is that you have three or four guys who are the consistent tier one, S tier guys in the company, and Ada needs something to get him there. You have Pac, you have Masato Yoshino, you have Naruki Doi, and you have your motto. You have those four guys. And assuming that Hulk comes back, Hulk somewhat figures into that as well. But you have a lot of guys on the A tier, the second tier, the guys that you know can make can main event a show. They can get a Dreamgate challenge. And Ada's not on that either. Ada hasn't had a Dream Key shot. This is his first pay-per-view main event. He needs something to get him over get him over the hump. And what better way to get Ada over the hump and make the leader of your Rudo unit look strong than have him take the most valuable prize in Dragon Gate. It's not the Dream Gate, because only one person can take Dragon Kid's mask. And as soon as it's gone, that's it. And the second reason is that Dragon Kid's getting old. He wasn't the youngest guy when he entered Torimon, Mexico. He had a past career in wrestling that may or may not have involved a deathmatch promotion being a referee for. And he started to really kind of pick up some injuries. It, I mean, that's what ended the CK1 reign last year. He's had just various 
knickknacks and being out for a month or being out for a couple of weeks. But the, the one thing you can't stop is time. And it really feels like that as many times as Dragon Kid can turn back the clock, there's only so so much time left for him. So if you want the mask to mean something and not be something that he does immediately before he retires, this is a time for him to lose this mask. He just recently debuted his disciple in Dragon Daya, so there is someone that's keeping up the Ultimo Dragon to Dragon Kid to now Dragon Daya continuity. There is a dragon on the roster. And, again, he's old. And there are few things that would get someone over the hump nearing the end of someone's career than taking the mask of Dragon Kid. So those are the reasons. But if I was to say, today, I'm recording this on December 20th, Mike, what are the odds on this match? What do you think is the percentage for Dragon Kid, and what do you think are the percentages for Ada? And at this point, I think I am 85-15, and that 85 is Dragon Kid. I just don't think that this is the time for him to lose the mask, and I don't think that Ada is the person to lose the mask to. But 15%, I mean, a little better than a 1 in 8 shot. There's a lot of gambling places, and a lot of gambling games offer worse than than 15% odds to hit a jackpot. So it'll be interesting. I am certain that before the 23rd, before Sunday, I'll have a lot more thoughts. I probably won't be watching this live just because it's the holiday season, but uh, I will be tweeting my thoughts as soon as I do so. And of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Fujiheya. But that'll do it for my preview of Final Gate. I'm not as excited about it as I was for Gate of Destiny, and I'm kind of at the same level as I was for uh, for Dangerous Gate. But it's it's an interesting card, and there's a lot of opportunity here. If I were to pick a match I'm most excited about on this show, it's probably the Masaki Mochizuki versus Daga match. I think that really could be the sleeper match of the show. And, you know, that with the way that Dragon Kid and Ada's feud's going... I expect this to be a pretty plunderful match. I think that I wouldn't be surprised if Dragon Kid shows up in white like he does in his Apuestas matches and he might bleed a lot. And I think that Ada will probably have his baseball bat. So I think it'll be an interesting match. They really haven't shown the amount of chemistry as I've liked between the two. But we'll see. They could completely knock my knock my socks off and I will be eating my words. Another event that's happened over the last few weeks has been the comeback match of Takahiro Yamamura, and it happened on the 15th at Kyoto KBS Hall, and it will be up for the next two days, so expect it to come down on the 22nd Japan time, and the comeback match was against uh, El Lindemann, so both of them came back to town, and it was a five-minute draw. And I caught this right before I was recording this segment, and it was a pretty solid match. I actually came came away with it with more thoughts about Yamam about Elendiman than Yamamura. I felt Yamo, Yamamura looked all right. You know, he wasn't really going for as many just moves that could hurt his back or neck after he really hurt it. 
But, uh, I mean, it was a five-minute exhibition match. El Lindemann really came off like a star. And as soon as he came out, the crowd immediately were reaching out their hands, and he did a lap around the ringside area with that. And after the match, he cut a promo, and the crowd really responded to it well. He mentioned that he was really glad that he got a chance to address them since they didn't get a chance before they went to Shanghai. And Yamura, of course, like after the match, after the match, he said, "Hey, thank you for having me," and he was happy he could still walk out after getting a German suplex. The last few minutes. They were escalating and escalating, and he got a pretty, a pretty solid-looking suplex from El Lindemann, and he was, and he felt that it was appropriate for him to come back and have this match in Dragon Gate. So, it's interesting because they weren't the only parts of OWE there in Kobe or in Kyoto. Probably this happened in Kyoto. T Hawk and Shima were there, and. From what I've read, and this is from their blog, so the amount of it being a work and the amount of it being legit, your mileage might vary. But they weren't at the venue there, and they met up with them afterwards, and they had to fly back to Shanghai because there was a show in Shanghai. The, the big thing here that I think you take away from this, there's two big things. One, thank God Yamamura is back and is healthy, and he's able to wrestle if he likes, and... He didn't suffer a bad chain, a bad quality of life because of the injury, and I think that's first and foremost. The like, I'm thankful that he was okay. That was a really bad looking injury, one of the worst ones I've seen in the last since I can remember in Dragon Gate. So, really grateful that he's okay and that he's able to continue what he likes. I mean, last year at Final Gate, he came out and cut a really sad promo talking to the crowd saying that his doctor has mentioned that he had to think about a future away from wrestling and almost 12 months to that day he was able to come back and wrestle which is awesome but this kind of also plays into what now is the relationship between the OWE group in Shanghai the Shima side and then the people left in Japan and originally when the split happened was so abrupt and it was so awkward that I was of the belief that if they come back it will be down the road I, I could see that it just seemed like they needed some space but if they were going to come back it was going to happen down the road but now I mean seven months since a little over seven months since the split they came back and it seems that they're on good terms they've made there was a column in Weekly Pro that talked about this and Apparently, if there's going to be an offer from DGE, which of course, Dragon Gate Entertainment is the technical name for the Japan-based side of the promotion now, or the Japan-based promotion, they are two groups, that there is a request, and if they're able to, they're going to make it a priority. I think some of it might be a little bit lost in translation, like how high a priority it is, but it seems like that it'll be a very high priority if Dragon Gate, if Kobe calls them to appear. And I think that's something that's going to be big coming up in 2019 as they're doing these 20th anniversary matches. I mean, I've really been impressed with T-Hawk and L. Lindemann as a tag team. I think it would really be awesome if somehow they came back and had a match with Doyoshi. I think that'd be really cool for one of these things. And I think more so, it gives me a little bit more confidence about what could be happening at Kobe World 2019. I mean, it's 
going to be the 20th anniversary Kobe World, and I would feel a lot better about this situation of the company if Shima was there, and it seems like the door is open to that. Whereas, after Dead or Alive, I felt like that door could be potentially closed. But that's pretty much it for the 2018 side of Dragon Gate. They have their show on the 23rd, they have Dead or, they have uh, Final Gate on the 23rd, and then they'll have a show on the 26th. It's this, this is their traditional go-home show of the year. It usually always happens at Sambo Hall. Since it's at Sambo Hall, it will be on Dragon Gate Network on the 26th. And if you watch it, it's usually a very lighthearted show. Sometimes they might do something that will help lead up into 2019, like KZ was in the middle of his big winning streak on the show and it continued. But it's going to be a lighthearted show. It's generally considered kind of a fan appreciation show, but it'll be up there. There's no card listed of it yet. The only things that we know coming up for Dragon Gate in 2019 are the the first match announced for the January 16th Corkin, which of course is the first and the 20th anniversary commemoration series of the Dragon System, and also the 25th anniversary match for Masaki Mochizuki as he faces the returning Shuji Kondo. And, wow, that's a match I really never thought would happen. I've been told that the big thing about the promotion when it changed, when Dragon Gate Entertainment was founded, was that th- that they're kind of wiping the slate, the slate clean, and the one person that who is still really active that seemed like he was carrying a grudge was Shuji Kondo. So it's nice to see that they're trying to let bygones be got, bygones and bring him back. So that's happening on the 16th as what was started and announced at the December 4th Corican. There will be a Decision League a tournament. There's not an exact name for it. I've been colloquially calling it the Young Dragon League, but there is a seven-person tournament to kick off the year between the the seven most recent and youngest wrestlers on the roster. The wrestlers are, and this is an order of debut, UT, Kaido Ishida, Shun Skywalker, Hio Watanabe, Yuki Yoshioka, Kota Minenora, and Dragon Daya. So... It's those seven. They've kind of been going back and forth. At least six of them have. They're adding Daya in here, so it'll be his first real. It'll be his first real contests against people of his generation. And I was really hoping that this was going to be a league, just because you get a chance to see everyone versus everyone. But that's not going to be the case. It's going to be a tournament that's taking place across a week. So I'm reading this off the Dragon Gate Wrestling official English. Facebook page. Tournament pairings and first round matches will be held at Kyoto KBS Hall on January 12th. Due to the odd number of participants, one will receive a first round bye. Semifinals will be the next day at Ideon Arena Osaka. That's on the 13th. Matches determine the 5th, 6th, and 7th place order, order will take place in Mie on the 14th. The finals and a match to decide the third place will happen at Corkin Hall on the 16th. So, this is really cool. 
I was a little bummed when I first heard that this is what they were doing for this, but it's going to provide some structure and it'll give like rankings to them. And the fact that they're giving basically the first week of their year and three televised shows to these guys is a really good sign. And uh, it'll be interesting. Again, this will be Daya's first real opportunity to wrestle with them. And it will be... I mean, the way we're looking at it is that there'll be three matches at KBS Hall. There'll be two matches at Osaka. The uh, fifth, sixth, and seventh place order will be in Mie, and that's not televised. There might be a bumper that's posted, or there might be something in regards to that, but that's not going to make air. And then the finals and then the uh, third place match will happen there. And this will be really cool because we'll see who is considered like the top person in this class, and... You can get some rivalries developed. I mean, we might see some shakeups being based out of this. I mean, what's going to happen if Yuki Yoshioka wins the tournament, but then the remainder of Mochizuki Dojo finish 5th, 6th, and 7th? I mean, there's a lot to have here, and I think that's going to be really cool. So that actually gives us three matches on the January 16th Cork, and of course the Mochizuki Kondo match, and then the, the, uh, first, the finals of the... Uh, rookie determination league please guys make up a name for it young light young dragon league okay the winner of the young dragon league and then the the match decide third and fourth place so it's a lot of really interesting stuff going into the new year usually they they would have like a trios tournament they've done that over the last few years and that's not always been the most exciting thing but for me as someone who I love seeing young wrestlers develop. I love seeing them go from being guys who are just fresh out of debut and seeing where they go. I am really stoked to see this. Well, that's going to do it for us here on this episode of Open the Voice Gate. You can follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate or myself personally at Fujiheya. That's Fuji with two eyes like Don Fuji. Please rate and comment and write a review on the podcast app or website of your choice. To my knowledge, we're on Stitcher, we're on iTunes, we're on Spotify. So anything you can do, rate and comment, I would greatly review. I greatly would appreciate it. But it looks like I'll probably be doing a year wrap up episode towards the end of this year. I've talked to Case Low about coming back on and talking about Final Gate, giving a review, and then talking about the moments of 2018. So keep an eye out for that that's probably going to come before before the 31st I'll, I'll we'll have it up before the 31st at the very least but again thank you all for listening and i'll catch you next time in a world of one million wrestling podcasts there is a new shining star with great interviews analysis music and and me matt coon on total engagement go to any podcast platform to listen today this is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.